This is football. I'm Kevin Clark. Lions fans thought their weekend and their lives could not get any better. If you're a Michigan fan, good lord, this is a good time for you. You thought you'd peaked, and then Monday night, last game of Super Wild Card Weekend, Matt Patricia clowns himself. You guys are rolling. You guys are rolling. Um, I don't want to talk about that uh, specifically. Matt Patricia's always been bad. Promoting him was a panic move. All that stuff. We've done that. Nick Sirianni should be fired. The Eagles have fired far better coaches. They fired Andy Reid. They fired the only coach who's ever delivered them a Super Bowl in Doug Peterson. It's always felt Chip Kelly had one mediocre year and they fired him. It's always felt like Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman were going to deliver you the roster, or in Chip Kelly's case, you were going to demote Howie Roseman and, and send the analytics department to the to the literal the literal marketing wing of the building. Um that he did that. Um and but then you have to have the results. They give you the roster, they give you the infrastructure, you have to win with them. You have to win resoundingly. Um you can't do what whatever the hell this is. And there's some really troubling sort of indicators here about where this is this is all heading. Um, but the Bucks are the second team since 1990 to have a bottom 10 total offense and defense and still reach divisional round. The other one was the Beast Quake Seahawks, if you remember those. And that shouldn't happen for a team that's talented. And it also doesn't matter if it's your fault or not. That's the hazard pay of being a coach. If it's on the coordinators, will you hire them? But also, there's a couple of things here. Number one, coaches are supposed to be problem solvers first and foremost. You were presented the clear parameters of a disaster, which is you hired two wrong coordinators. The team was in a tailspin. There was finger pointing everywhere and you did nothing to stop. This is a talented team that could not get out of its own way and you didn't, you didn't help them. Um, and real quick, like there's a mainstream take that we should be more humane with coaches. I've seen that a couple times, you know, and, and I completely agree. There's families and all that stuff. But the people who are actually most affected by coach firings, we never talk about, we never discuss. You know, it's it's analysts, it's guys who get their foot in the door. Um, it's it's lower level staff. The, the Nick, there's with Nick Sirianni in particular. Like I, I'm I'm going to go in on him a little bit. There's kind of a that's what the money's for situation here. Little Don Draper. Um, and again, I don't know if he's the number one problem in Philadelphia before I do this, but I do know he's a problem and he's an easy fix. Um, all right. So Troy Aikman says they look like a defeated team. And I I feel like being just looking at the team, that was clear. There was a story that came out on ESPN this morning. Normally, these stories come out after they're eliminated. And it came out this morning, uh, Monday morning, where they say, essentially, there was a lot of finger pointing that there has been a shift in Sirianni's behavior, which I guess they're drawing a line and not just Tim uh, McManus wrote the story, but like other people in the building or whatever sources are saying that like the big Dom incident was the igniting factor of Nick Sirianni changing his behavior a little bit. And he became more reserved. He wasn't the same guy. We've seen all of the, the Sia, the Sia video in Kansas city 
where he he's yelling at Chiefs fans. We saw the I love Frank Reich thing a couple of years ago. Um, we've seen him mean mugging to the camera while beating the Giants. Uh, that is not what he wants to be right now. Um, but then the bigger problem is not his demeanor. It never has been because you can get away with whatever if you're winning. It's that Brian Johnson, Jalen Hurts, and Nick Sirianni seem to just not have any idea what they want the identity of the team to be. And I guess the book is Brian Johnson has his own philosophy, quote, within an offensive structure belonging to Sirianni. I don't necessarily know what that means, um, except it sounds like they're they. And also, by the way, this story also is basically who knows how much autonomy Brian Johnson even has. But what we know is Jalen Hurts is not passing over the middle of the field. Five percent of his pass attempts were between the hashes. Lowest rate of any of the starters in the league this year. They're going deep a lot. Uh, top 10 in vertical routes. Uh, downfield throws. 11% of his throws or hurts his throws are down the field. Um, so you're doing outside the numbers and you're doing deep. And they have the personnel. Like we saw this, by the way. Like the, the reason they had success tonight when they did was because they were like, okay, Devontae Smith is a lot better than the guy in front of him. We'll just give him the ball. They have a talent advantage, and when that is is uh, exploited, they seem to do well. But it seemed like there was a disconnect for the entire second half of the season. Um, Peyton Manning said that Hurts being an empty while the Bucks are sending that much pressure on blitzes was stubborn. The tush push didn't work. That's how you know things have gotten truly bad. The tush push did not work. That is that is like the, the comics where Superman dies. Like that's not supposed to happen. And now we have here, here, here are the numbers. First nine games for Nick Sirianni, three and six. Next 40 games, 32 and eight. Includes the Super Bowl appearance, almost won it. Last six games, last, excuse me, last seven games, one and six. And they're out. Um I put on Twitter a question. Which was what was the is is there a bigger collapse in season that cannot be attributed to quarterback injury? You know, you lose half your guys. Like, is there a bigger inexplicable collapse? I understand AJ Brown didn't play today, but a team that just stopped playing well. I think the best analogy is probably if you remember the 2019 Patriots historic defense. I went to a Cowboys Patriots game that year, and I, I remember just talking to those guys. They had those guys that everybody seeing ghosts. Um, Bill Belichick, Tom Brady was still on the team, and then they just limped into the playoffs. Tom Brady um, was done at that point. Uh, didn't didn't saw saw it as hopeless. They didn't have uh, receiver talent that that was required, and and off they went. The, the defense stopped being historic, and everything fell apart. That's the better analogy to me. Because the 2020 Steelers, which is thrown around there, they were always frauds. Um, I really, and some people were thrown in between from the 80s or whatever. And then the Plaxico uh, incident, Giants, which is again, I think that's a that's a uh, ignition point where you're talking about just like something happened there. Like you can't, that's not inexplicable. We know what happened there. Okay, so the 2020 Steelers the difference there is like the Eagles were not the Steelers were fraudulent and the Eagles turned out to be fraudulent, but the, the difference is the Eagles should not have been frauds. They had the talent 
to be a 14-win team, 15-win team that made the Super Bowl. They had that kind of talent. They were on the level at some point this season with the Niners. Um, we found out they were on the level with the Cowboys, but that turned out to be the the C-list. Um, but I guess the question now is what do they do? Because I don't think Sirianni can survive this. Because, again, Roseman gives you the roster. The roster is good. The expectations come with that. The other problem is, even if you like Nick Sirianni, the options to upgrade are so much better. Let me ask you a question. If you're a Nick Sirianni defender, if you're yelling at your podcast app and you're saying you're an idiot, they went to the Super Bowl last year, what would Nick Sirianni have done with the Tennessee Titans over the past six years, with Ryan Tannehill? Would he, would he have won as many games as Mike Vrabel? Just, just throwing it out there. Would he have won as many games as Mike Vrabel did, coach of the year, one seed, all the things that he did? Would he have won that many? Um, he is not the best coach of all time. I will give him some grace and say that for the last two years, he's been better than Bill Belichick at coaching. Um, but I'm looking around, and I'm seeing Vrabel, Pete Carroll, Bill Belichick, Jim Harbaugh available. At some, I would make all of those guys say no before even thinking about retaining Nick Sirianni. Even starting the discussions that would lead to a bunch of wholesale changes that would lead that would lead to Sirianni returning and coaching the team in, in OTAs. And there's probably other guys. I mean, I, I would call Ben Johnson. Um, just make sure. I'm just talking about proven head coaches who have won in the league. Like That's the top of my list. I would also probably pick Ben Johnson over him. I'd pick... Um, Probably pick Mike McDonald, but I know they really like offensive head coaches, partly because you have to hire an offensive head coach to be a be manning one side of the ball, and then you could lose him easily, and he becomes a revolving door. Um, so I understand why they like offensive head coaches. But if you're going to fire Andy Reid, uh, you're definitely going to be able to fire Nick Sirianni. That's not, that's not going to be an issue. Um, but I want to throw this out there. Is this a better job than the Cowboys? Because that's who you're going to be competing with at the top of the coaching market. Because every other roster, like the Chargers are a good example of a team that I think on, on its face is ready to win now. But then you look at the roster and you go, oh, they're going to be in for a brutal stretch because of the cap, because of how old the roster is. If you're looking for teams that can legitimately win now, and again, I'm assuming Sirianni's gone. If you're looking at that, then there's only two teams where you can plug and play and say this team can win a Super Bowl next year. It's the Eagles and it's the Cowboys. Do you want to be coaching a roster that's being meddled in by Jerry Jones or Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie? That's that's the, the discussion in all of this. Um, I think... The answer is the Cowboys for a couple of reasons. Number one, we, there are so many remaining questions about Philadelphia. They got a bunch of guys who are free agents, but more importantly, um, Jason Kelsey, his future, he was in tears on the sideline. It looked like he was in tears in the tunnel. Didn't look like a guy who was ready to, to run it back necessarily. Um, and he's one of the best players in the league still. That changes everything they do. We've had this, like Mitchell Schwartz came on, had one of the best segments we've had this year where he talked about how if you're doing Jenga pieces and saying, oh, you cannot remove this guy, Jason Kelsey is at the literal top of the list. The literal top of the list is so much that they do in short yardage 
is just Jason Kelsey getting low and just moving guys away. And that is not going to be easy to find. The centers like that, Hall of Fame centers are impossible. You hold on to them as long as you can. And so there was a retirement buzz about him last year. He obviously has a very successful media situation, great family life, um, can do just the podcast with with Travis and, and I mean, make a whole hell of a lot of money um, and not put his body through that. We, we talk about the how much it would hurt to run the touch push as a quarterback. You got to remember, Kelsey's 37, something like that, and he's doing that every single time. That's neck stuff. That's back stuff. That's knee stuff. That is brutal. That is not a play that you're thinking about in May. You're going, to go, oh, I can't wait for that. I cannot wait for the to run the tush push. I can't wait to to dive into Vita Vea. That's not what you're trying to do. And so, I think it's the Cowboys because and and, and I'm wondering now. As much as I love Howie Roseman, a lot of their talent is expensive. A lot of the or older and will get expensive or is currently expensive. Um, is the young talent that have plugged the holes over the past couple of years as or expected to plug the holes as talented as we thought? Don't know. Um, and I literally don't know. Like th- these guys can develop. That's what the coaching is for. Um, but maybe. In two years, this roster will not be what we think. Now, no one does a better job of plugging holes with one-year deals, um, getting draft busts who everybody said couldn't play, get him on a one-year deal. He knocks out of the park, then he either leaves or, or he signs a three-year extension. Nobody finds value quite like Howard Roseman. So I'm always going to bet on that. But I'm looking at this Cowboys team, and I'm seeing a roster that there's a reason I picked them to make the Super Bowl this year. Because at some point, the talent wins out. and Right now, Dak Prescott, over uh, over this season, really a much better quarterback than Jalen Hurts, and he has a longer track record. Jalen Hurts last year was worlds better. Obviously, Dak couldn't stop turning the ball over. They both look terrible this weekend, so it's it's not much of a competition. But I'm if if I'm, let's say you have your choice, and I think the only person who would actually have their choice of the jobs would be Bill Belichick. I think as long as ownership wanted to work with, with, with them um, and didn't want to. And by the way, like I, I, I'm, I'm calling for Bill Belichick to, to not be an evaluator and just coach the team because every single time we say he's the best coach of all time. The one thing we don't say is what a great GM he was because coach Bill solved the problems of GM Bill and he could go to a place that that problem is solved for him. We talk so much about, we clown the Cowboys, but guess what they're really good at? Talent acquisition. Why are the lines always good? Why do they have pass rushers? They disappeared yesterday, but they generally still have the the skill there. Dak Prescott is a good quarterback. He's a hell of a lot better than what, what Belichick's assembled in New England since Tom Brady left. Um the roster's bad. There's a reason the best coach of all time was just fired. So just go and coach ball, man. Don't don't interfere with the draft stuff. And like, there's all sorts of stories about him interfering with the scouting process and saying, no, do this, do this, do this. Like it hasn't last, let's say, decade. He has not covered himself in glory as, as a GM, Bill Belichick. And so I just want him to go coach ball and be the best coach in the history of the world and just scheme this stuff up and MacGyver his way to a Super Bowl. That's all I want. So I think that the Cowboys and the Eagles are actually the best fit 
don't go to Atlanta and clean house. It's going to break my football heart if what he does is say, I'm over 70, I'm going to go to Atlanta, I'm going to install the Patriot way. I would hate that. It's not going to work. The roster is not close enough. And by the time he does anything, if he can do anything, because again, we're we're he's doing the GM stuff, which has not worked for for a while. If, if that at some point you just age out of it, if you're starting an entirely new project, an entirely new Patriots, you're hiring all your guys, all your buddies are coming on down. Again, he's he's earned the right to do that. He's earned the money to do that. He's going to get all the leeway he wants. But I, I don't think he should do it. I think you should go to one of these two teams, whichever roster he likes better, whichever infrastructure he feels more comfortable with, and say, okay, cool, guess what you're going to have? The best damn game plan for 17 games next season, and hopefully three more. And I think there's a real opportunity. But for me, that that, and I know the Bill Parcells thing, like, for me, that's the Cowboys. And now you start looking around, and you say, man, if I'm the Giants, am I at least making some calls? Because the coaching market is wild right now. And if you're standing pat, like we do this all the time with quarterbacks, how many quarterbacks wouldn't, tri- what, you know, how many quarterbacks uh, w- would you keep over CJ Stroud, all that stuff, right? If you do that with coaches, there's really no reason you can't pursue any open, any available coach all the time. Just make the call, find out. How many coaches? are really so good that an owner should literally stand pat. Literally, it's for me right now. Obviously, Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, Matt LaFleur, anybody who just got hired, Rob Mayo, obviously, we're not going to do that. Mike Mike McCarthy. Uh, Mike McDaniel, I would not actively try to replace. Sean McDermott, I would not. Sean McVay, I would not. Uh, Kevin O'Connell, I would not. Kevin O'Connell's a good coach. Sean Payton, I would not. Andy Reid, I would not. D'Amico Ryan's, I would not. Kyle Shanahan. Don't keep Stefanski around. Um, don't know what you do with Zach Taylor. I'll let that one hang for a bit. Um, anybody else should be calling Jim Harbaugh and say, hey, man, just, just checking things out. Just seeing if you wanted to be a, a lifelong dream of having a, a Giants NY on your chest. Just check it. Just check it in. I'm just checking in. Um, I would, that's the kind of thing that the coaching market is getting so good that you pursue that. But that's also the reason that Nick Sirianni's fate seems sealed to me. Um, someone asked me tonight, a listener question. Um, they said, how much does, does coaching matter? Or does coaching even matter? Because it seems like it kind of reverses itself from, from one year to the next. And the genius one year has one bad year and then they get fired and they never recover it. And I understand what that is. But I think what what is actually the case is there's only five or six really special coaches. And then there's a bunch of competent guys. And then there's just the guys who just don't really know what they're doing. I think there's actually very few coaches who straight up are incapable of of winning a football game like if if they coach for a million years would never win 13 games right i think there's a handful of those guys like i'll give you a great example and i I think he's a great college coach but like the jokes around the league when greg shiano was in tampa bay and he was running an offense i think michael silver had the story but basically 
that he he is the schemes there. And obviously he wasn't the offensive play caller, but they were running schemes that were like so basic that the defense was just laughing. And I don't think that there was I, I, I don't think there was a program there that if if given a million years, Greg Schiano was going to improve significantly. Um, I think there's very few of those guys. And it's usually guys who don't really have much NFL experience. But I think that the the thing we make the mistake on is what culture is, um, how to how to implement culture, and what kind of sort of what what a coach is supposed to do. And what I mean by that is like we look at the play calls and we say, all right, that's coaching. All right, did did two receivers run to the same spot? That stuff is the easiest stuff to fix. That's really easy to fix. The harder stuff is like I, the thing we talk about the Eagles and like they're missing tackles. To me, that's how you practice. To me, that's how you schedule out your season. To me, that's that's you know. And by the way, like I'm about to say toughness, and I'm going to revert back on that because toughness to me is like Chuck Noll said this, and I think about it a lot. There's no such thing as toughness. There's only technique and fundamentals. Do you know what to do over and over and over and over again? Because that's what toughness is. You're, these players are very few players are actually legitimately soft. Many of them are just bad, and they don't know their arm tackling, and they don't know how you know. And the same thing with offensive linemen, right? If somebody's blowing past you, it's not because you're scared of the guy; it's because you don't know what you're doing. So there's no toughness, only technique and fundamentals. Fatigue, same thing. Conditioning, but all of that stems from the guy who runs the program telling you what to do, how to implement hitting. Do, when do you use pads? Like that's the kind of stuff that we probably overlook in these things. And then we go, Oh, he's a genius play caller. Well, what does he have to show for? It? Because I, I, somebody was telling me about a coach recently. Awesome. Awesome coordinator. Awesome coordinator. Terrible head coach. And I said, what, what's that about? And they said, well, he has not run a practice. He doesn't know when to have the guys hit. He doesn't know when, how to, how to do the install thing. And so he was cooking when somebody else was designing up the off-season program and all of this stuff and figured out when to, when to put the gas, you know, press the gas to the floor, when to not do it. And he, this guy was clueless. All he had was a playbook. And I think about that a lot as far as, like, so many things are vibes-based in, in the off-season and, 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 in the, uh, and during the season. and like. I remember hearing a story. I wasn't there that day, but somebody told me I was at a Patriots training camp. And the day before, I think like Tom Brady just didn't come out for a period or maybe even the full day. And it was because Belichick, and didn't tell anybody, Belichick told him to do this, that he wanted the team to practice without Tom Brady to see what that was like. S situational simulated type of stuff. And it's like that's the kind of thing that's going to matter in, you know, on November third when he goes out with a with a rolled ankle for a couple of plays. That that's the kind of thing, and that's what we overlook a lot of times because we're looking at playbooks and all this stuff. Um, by the way, the Greg Schiano thing went far further than just the playbook; it was just just wasn't going to work. Um, but I think a lot of times we when we say what where does head coaching matter, it's that Nick Sirianni was looking at a team, was in the middle of a tailspin and couldn't do anything about it. And at some point, that's who you are. And by the way, I mentioned the 2019 Patriots. Like, that didn't get any better after that. <laughs> they lost Tom Brady and it didn't get any better after that. 
Sometimes tailspins last longer than half a season. Um, by the way, five of the six wildcard games decided by two touchdowns or more. Uh, most in a round since the 1982 wildcard round. Um, I will say it's funny because you could probably try to say, oh, well, it's because, you know, these teams are not close together and blowouts, not a lot of good teams this year, except I will remind you the Dallas Cowboys lost to the seven seed for the first time ever, a seven seed one, because the Green Bay Packers got hot. And uh, boy, you want to talk about parody, the Dallas Cowboys being bad brings that, brings that to the masses. So there you go. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and up must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. Know when to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, Crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed through Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Let's do Bills. Let's do Bills Steelers quickly. Um, not quickly. Let's, let's spend a little time on it. So, first of all, Josh Allen getting rid of the ball uh, quickly again. 2.5 seconds to throw, fourth quickest in the game in his career. So we saw with the James Cook game a couple weeks ago. When it's a mixture of... Quick game stuff plus absolute chaos in which he thrives. That's when Josh Allen is at his best. The over and over again, patting the ball, seeing what's downfield, that that to me can go south very quickly. Now it's produced some of his greatest ever plays, but that has got to be a bunch of quick game stuff. Baked in. He com- on his quick passes tonight, he completed 14 of 17 for 85 yards, two touchdowns. Um, nearly 50% success rate on those. He was, he was cooking. Um, he is, and we saw that with the kind of the open field run. He is as talented a player as as we've seen. Um, capable, and I, I don't want to do a huge tribute to him because I've done it a million times, but like Capable of things we've never seen in a football field before. And I think that's the best thing. There's only probably six or seven of these guys at the quarterback position over the past decade who literally every time he takes a snap, you might see the most interesting thing you've ever seen on the football field. Um, so, And by the way, that's been that's been good or bad his entire career. 
Um, remember the Texans playoff game a few years ago, where just the wildest crap you've ever seen in your entire life. Um, that's possible, but it's, it, he has gotten out of his game and the bills have done a great job of building something around where he doesn't have to do that. Um, for the millionth time, I'll tell you, Brandon Bean told me that he, he thinks that, that Josh makes mistakes when he's trying to do too much. But on the other hand, like Josh likes to do too much. And so that's me talking, but like, that's, that's it. You you can see why he does it. Again, said a million times, you try being boring. Um, if I were to be, to throw any cold water on this whole thing, the Bills defensive injuries, I mean, it's almost, it's not the same because it's not the, the same level, but like, by the way, they already lost Matt Milano at the beginning of the season. We're getting to almost like Dolphins level depletion on the defensive side of the ball. Which is why I would want to pick the Chiefs, even though the Chiefs have have real flaws. Um, the Chiefs have the Chiefs are are healthier in this specific instance. You think about so Daquan Jones comes back, um, Rasul Douglas is out, Tyrell Dodson is out, Taylor Rapp all hurt in Week 18 to start the playoffs. Monday, uh, Bernard Balen Specter and Christian Benford all exited. Um, Teron Johnson had a head injury. Um, I don't know uh what the, the status of that is um but that's at some point you just lose guys and at some point you know, aj klein signing him off the street awesome aj klein's dad used to um email me at the wall street journal to tell me how great uh i think it was ron rivera and ron rivera was his coach he just tell me he just send me emails being like ron rivera is the best i liked your i liked your piece today on ron rivera a couple times very nice family um but he's coming off the street. I think wasn't he? Go, he's going to like the key. He said he was going to the keys or something. He's running an RV, and now all of a sudden he's playing uh, in the playoffs. And at some point that becomes unsustainable. Um, so that's that uh, on the on the sewer side of the ball. I thought it would be a bigger margin than it ended up being. Um, congratulations to Steelers for for fighting on that. They probably could have made it much closer if it wasn't for some weird calls. Um, but the story of this and the talk radio angle coming out of this is going to be Mike Tomlin's reaction to, I believe, Burke Pryor's question um, saying you have one year left in your contract. And the implication was that she was about to ask about his future because there's been all those reports, including by Mike Florio. I think Jay Glazer had one that, OK, well, he's going to think about his future, which you know aren't aren't we all? And um, I don't think I got to be honest with you. I don't. I, I did not read much into that. If he's going into the last year of his contract. If he's negotiating, that's a great negotiating tactic. Just get up and leave. Just get up and leave. Um, I don't think talking about that was going to help. And so I think that's a lot of people being like, oh, he's gone. He's gone, gone. He doesn't even want to talk about it. No, he's. it's a negotiation. That's what this is. And so I think he loves being the Pittsburgh Steelers coach. I think that. And by the way, you talk about a coaching market. Like, there's a guy who 15 teams would call. Um, and there's a, there's a handful of those guys. Um, but I'd call them before Vrabel. But anyway, um, I didn't, I, I'm not going to glean too much from that. Don't, don't, you know what? What's my time tell us all, all the time? Don't overreact to something. Don't overreact to something. Not to quote Bill Parcells, but like, like, you know what? Let's stick with Tomlin here for a second. Um, I'd be very, I don't think you should glean anything from anything Mike Tomlin has ever said at press conferences. He's trying to talk to his team. He's trying to talk to 
specific people. He is not trying to talk to the media. So maybe he's trying to talk to ownership, to Omar Khan, whomever. He does not want to put on a show for the media. We've seen that time and time again. And so I don't think that that's, I didn't read anything about his future into that, except that he clearly, negotiations are, are currently not going well. But how many times have we seen situations that turn on a dime very quickly? And all, all it takes is one call and all of that gets resolved. This is on the grand scale of, of Pittsburgh Steelers' potential problems. I'm much more worried about who's playing quarterback in week one next year than who's coaching. By the way, some people asked me about this. I really am starting to talk myself into Russell Wilson there. Sorry. Who's better? Who's better they're going to get? Who's better? Everybody, we're all, as I said last night, people were fantasizing about Dak Prescott becoming available. How? Why? This year? How? Why? Answer that before we start turning your nose at, uh, thumbing your nose at, uh, at Russell Wilson in, in Pittsburgh. He's not as bad as you guys think. All right, Flynn, we have two questions. We're going to start with Adam, who wants to know, what do you think the Falcons asked Bill during the interview? Yeah, so Bill Belichick interviewed um, conflicting reports on where this interview was. I saw someone say it was on a yacht. I don't I've not gotten a confirmation on that. Bill was interviewing them. My guess is Arthur Blank, you know, Home Depot founder, all that stuff. They probably talked about if there were any questions, it was kind of probably overall philosophy, all that stuff. But Bill, especially with the Cowboys losing yesterday, Bill's going to have his pick. Um, now, the, again, it goes back to what I was saying. What does Bill want to do? Because if he wants to run the franchise and, and you know, have the skeleton key of, of every room in the building and, and sort of understand um, that, that every, everything will be made in his image, then sure, go there. Um, but if you want to just coach ball, there's a lot better options, I think. Um, and so I don't know, I don't know what he's looking for, but I know that he, he was probably sounding them out to say, what can you do for me? And I actually think that the best way that this is going to go is when he meets with a team who will tell them what they're going to do for him. And I don't know if Atlanta can do that right now. I think it's a team with a better roster who can say, Bill, you will never have to be in a draft room again. We'll have Nike the dog set up at your laptop. You're good. You're going to tell us what you want. And philosophically, we're going to do the scouting for you. You, sir, are going to coach ball. Up next, we have Kevin who wants to know if we're in the middle of a Bucks NFC South dynasty. So this is a very funny question because uh, it's not like – like it's always like the Rosillo joke. Anytime anybody wins a championship, you, you say, you know, it's questions got to be asked. Best ever. Um, so, but this is so narrow because it's the NFC South. So let's let's break this down here. This is not as dumb a question as maybe you reflexively think, because the Panthers have removed themselves from competition. They are not a functioning NFL team. When Danielowski was on. Didn't Olavsky say like 2026 or something for Bryce Young or 2025? It's going to be a couple of years until they're a functioning NFL franchise. Even if they make both the exact right hires here, there's only so much you can do in the offseason. Um, they can they can get 
closer and they can protect Bryce Young and all this stuff, but they're not going to start winning games anytime soon. The Falcons, let's see. I actually think they'd take a step back if they if they hired Belichick next year. Like I'm not not step back, but like seven wins seems right if they hired Belichick, just because giving him personnel power, what's he trying to do here? Like it's not a win now roster because there's no quarterback and what have we seen when bill belichick is a bad quarterback i've not seen a lot of good things you can go in the distant past and talk about matt castle talk about when jacoby Brissett came in for jim garoppolo talk about jim garoppolo himself we've seen him scheme up some stuff i thought the Peyton man the uh the cam newton thing was absolutely going to work a couple years ago and for a while it did and then it, it fell apart um his ability to scheme up bad quarterbacks I think, and this is a reflection of the offensive staff, obviously, but he is still one of the best football minds of all time. That has taken a hit over the past couple of years. So how the Falcons do this, I don't see a lot. I don't see more than nine wins. So the Saints are the only one there. They're going to keep Dennis Allen. Are they going to keep Jameis Winston after he went rogue in Week 18? I'm not really sure. Uh, I would not just because I just, as much as I found that whole thing funny and delightful, once a player turns play calling into a democracy, uh, that is not a good reflection on the head coach. So I actually would have gotten rid of basically everybody involved there. Um, but uh, it sounds like they're they're going to keep Dennis Allen for another year. They haven't made a move yet. Although, again, they should be on the list of teams just checking in. Just checking in, Mike Vrabel. Just making sure you're good, buddy. Um, you all set? So I don't think the, uh, the Bucks. It's not like they're they're. I mean, they'll resign Baker Mayfield. They give him a bunch of money. It's not like they've got some uber talented roster that's super young, and they're just gonna, um, you know, they're not the next Packers. They're not the next Packers. But I could see two more. I could see two more wins here in a row for the division, just because I just don't know what any of these teams are doing down there. I just don't know. And that when the Panthers being where they are, it's such an advantage for the other teams in the division. I would try to go all in if I was a team in that division, whether it's the Saints or the Falcons and the Bucs can't really do that. But so, by the way, the Bucs were paying the bills from the Brady year cap wise anyway. So this is impressive. They were even good. So it's only going to get better from here. And Jason Light's really good. Um, but this is a winnable division until further notice. And because of that, the team with the most competence wins. And and right now, the way Dennis Allen's coaching, that's the New Orleans, excuse me, that's the that's the Tampa Buccaneers. And we'll see if Belichick changes that. Um, all right, we'll be back on Wednesday with uh an excellent guest or two. Um had a late had a late scratch tonight that we're gonna figure out, but we have an amazing former player. Term, turned media member coming to you on Wednesday at the very least. Hopefully we get somebody else as well. Uh, but I'm not sweating it. It's going with house money because it's going to be great. This has been football. Thank you to Flynn. Thank you to Miles. I will see you on Wednesday.